Welcome to Checking In, a weekly podcast from Hotel Owner, the UK's trusted source of hotel industry news and analysis. Each week we meet a new guest and learn their story, all the highs and lows, triumphs and disasters they've faced and how they got through to the other side. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen to. To get more industry insight, head to hotelowner.co.uk and subscribe for unlimited access. If you're interested in sponsoring episodes of the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at hotelowner.co.uk. Welcome to Checking In. This week, we're joined by Neil Taylor, the General Manager of Yotel Glasgow. In this episode, Neil explains how his passion for hospitality developed at a young age, the importance of strong communication with your team as a general manager, and how the industry can best attract and retain employees. Hello, Neil. Thank you so much for joining Hello. us. Um, great to see you. Just to, uh, just to start us off, how did your career in hospitality begin? What sort of drew you towards it? And yeah, can you tell us yeah, about, I mean, about that? I've got a, a, probably a weird journey considering we're on a podcast about hotels, but the majority <laughs> of my background is not in the hotel industry. Okay. Um, I I think I I slowly fell in love with hospitality and I, I didn't know I'd fallen in love with it for a few years. And then I kind of had this moment of realisation and I'd um, just graduated from university. I got a degree in geophysics, which meant oh. you know I should have gone off to work in the oil industry or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I had no real desire to work in the oil industry. Mm. So I went back to where I grew up in the Highlands, and I was working at my local hotel, which I'd worked on and off sort of through, uh, through, through university, just in the bar or as a waiter. And when I was back there over the summer, I guess, trying to work out what I wanted to do with my life, the owner asked if I wanted to be promoted to assistant manager and I kind of had this moment of going oh actually yeah that's what I actually want to do yeah. and it, I think when I had that realization it in a way I can it kind of solidified what I wanted to do but also how I needed to approach it and I think that initial realization of I'd gone to uni and then not used that degree I kind of approached hospitality from that perspective of I need to learn all of this stuff again so that I can get the career that I was meant to get after university. Mm. Um, so I think that kind of probably dictated a lot of the decisions I made job-wise to make sure I got the right sort of experience over the first few years so I could hopefully then take advantage of the, the industry. Yeah. Um, and when that realisation came to you that, you know, this is actually the career yeah. that I want to follow, what were your um, steps after that to sort of, yeah? So I think the... The things I fell in love with at that point was, um, I mean, we're, we're talking more F&B at the moment, um, was, it was people and product. So it was working in a, a live environment that, you know, I think you can plan anything the best way you want. But as soon as you insert um, guests or customers, things change. I, think mm. I always find that quite exciting. Um, and so you got that added to the fact that, you know, I fell in love with, you know, great food in restaurants, great great drinks with great wine or great beer and um, and that kind of led me into I think learning try to learn more about the industry so I worked for Bellhaven for a little bit to learn a little bit more about um, I guess scale I suppose um, and then I got a job with Brewdog so mm. this was back uh, 13 years ago now actually and they were just opening their second bar so I got taken on as general manager of one of their two bars and was kind of there for six years through a lot of the massive growth there and I think the thing I kind of I took from that was it wasn't just being excited about people and product but it was how to create passion around that so whether it was 
I guess igniting that passion in me for those things, but working out how to inspire it in in customers or in staff as well. And the, the journey I had with them was, you know, I, I managed the Aberdeen Bar for close to a year. I was the opening manager for their Camden site, so the first bar outside of um, Scotland. Mm. And then I was a multi-site manager for the UK for a little bit. And then I was involved in rolling out the bars internationally. So getting involved in more sort of franchises and dealing with um, external partners. And that kind of, I think in a a high growth environment like that, you learn quickly. Mm -hmm. And I think that set me up well to understand not just the complexities of the industry, I suppose, but also the the people management element, the the interacting with customers and what works and what doesn't. Mm. Yeah, that must have been an incredibly exciting time, um, you know, especially seeing, you know, what a giant brew dog is now and to be there sort of from the yeah. stage. And it's it's a little bit surreal because, you you know, when I joined, I probably could name everyone who worked in the company. Mm. And now they've got, I don't know, something like 100 sites. It was about 50 when I left. And even that that growth of six years going from one or two bars to about 50, yeah, you, you have to learn to adapt quickly and the skill set being general manager of a bar with a staff of about 10 is completely different to what I was doing three or four years later where I was dealing with 16 international bar sites and different franchise partners in each and you know different time zones and it that kind of that I think the speed of growth that I managed to experience through that was something that I always find really exciting but it's also I think given me a probably a confidence um, in and a clarity in decision making as to what I want to do with my career as well. And that's kind of what led me to hotels because I really enjoyed multi-site management and I really enjoyed the international side of things, but I kind of missed, or the bit I felt like I was missing was the people element. So mm-hmm. one of the bits that I had fallen in love with initially, because I wasn't spending much time with customers or guests. I wasn't spending enough face-to-face time with um, different managers or different partners because a lot of the communication was email or phone calls mm. so I kind of looked at hotels and went well you're dealing with the same scale but it's all in one building and you know you can talk to people face to face and you can communicate clearer and I think that I was excited about that idea of taking what I'd experienced from a an F&B perspective mm-hmm. and working out how to apply those skills to what was to me, I, th- I think it was uh, an, uh, an industry with a lot of crossover, but I think the, yeah. the challenge was probably convincing someone to take a general manager punt on someone that had never even really spent much time working in hotels. And I think that's where you know I feel quite lucky that um, I, I was kind of met with such an open-minded company like Yotel, where the, the interview process was never really second-guessing my skills and they I think they were quite excited about the idea of taking someone from outside of the, the world of hotels and outside of the traditional career trajectory I suppose that mm-hmm. exists in our industry and seeing what I could do so yeah it's it's been a it's been a fun journey from that perspective yeah yeah and I I guess allowed you to bring a really unique perspective um to the hotel model and yeah I, was, I, mean, I would hope so on that because I think that you know, I've not I've not come in with preconceived notions about how any of this is supposed to work, and I think that that certainly helped me during COVID because I I joined Yotel in August twenty twenty one, and Scotland was in and out of lockdowns and rules changing all the time, and I kind of I had a naivety in a positive way that I didn't know any better, so I I kind of managed to learn really quickly 
about how the industry worked because we were being challenged in a way that I don't think anyone had probably been challenged before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess just sort of going back to you know what you learned from your time at BrewDog and what you brought to your current role, can you tell us a little bit more about sort of specifically what you learned in terms of team management because that's obviously a crucial part of being a general manager um, and your sort of approach yeah. to that then and now so i think the the main thing for me was probably you know i've mentioned passion before i think learning how to inspire that in people or give them a collective vision is especially when you're dealing with scale is is really important but i think working out how to um not just micromanage things but you know it's i think with being a general manager so much about the role is about communication Mm. and while you you need to have an understanding of every facet of the business. You're not the one doing everything. So the ability to kind of align everyone all going towards a shared vision or shared goals is is something that's key. And I think that's where, you know, working with someone like Brewdog that had such a strong sort of brand identity and collective goal or working with someone like Yotel that to me feels like the same thing. I think that's mm-hmm. where that experience I've had has, has helped me. Yeah, yeah. And sort of how, how was that adjustment at the beginning? Was was the general manager role what you expected? Um, um, I think of- in some ways it was, but in mm. some ways, you know, I, I'm, I still feel like I'm learning every single day, which is exciting to me. Um, I feel like I always get bored easily. So I think being <laughs> in a job where every single day is a challenge is really nice. Um, yeah. I think the, the thing for me was probably the biggest challenge is – was for me to legitimize myself to the team, I think, because there's, you know, if you, I was thinking about this earlier today, if you take my chief engineer and my head of housekeeping, they've probably got 60 years in the industry between them. Mm. And I'm walking in the the front door on day one saying, oh yeah, I've never really worked in a hotel. You kind of have to probably work pretty fast to understand things and learn things so that you're not just following their lead. You're actually putting yourself in a position to lead. Mm. And I think in that sense, the, the skills that I probably picked up over the years about people management or understand, you know, simple things, understanding a PL, like that sort of stuff is easily translatable. But yeah. there's also a lot of kind of um, finer details that are, are the bits that you really do have to learn. And the, I guess for, for an industry that is, is people focused, that's, that's what gave me the confidence that I thought I, I could do it. I, don't, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I'm two and a half years in now and I'm I'm still doing it. I think I'm doing a, an all right job. So I think I wasn't necessarily misguided in my my expectations. But I think the there's a lot of translatable skills between different parts of this industry. And it's actually something that um, when I've been talking to my team and what their development looks like, I definitely feel like there's, there's a traditional way of looking at what a hotel development is, that you're either um, – on a, a straight line up to being a GM at some point or, or further, or you end up in something like sales where, the, again, there's a kind of traditional career trajectory. And what I'm kind of hoping is to inspire a little bit with the team that you can look at that a little bit differently and thinking more about not just what job you want, but what are the things about your job that you like and where can you find them and you know be a little bit more probably creative in how they approach that. Yeah, yeah. Um... I think that's yeah crucial for the industry going forward. It's inspiring young people to sort of think about the yeah. career in this space. Absolutely. Way. Um, 
And how, how big is the team that you now oversee? And, and what is the structure at, at Yotel Glasgow? So the team that we've got on site is um, is around about 100. Um, the, the Yotel model has actually quite a lot of centralised support, which was probably one of the reasons that I was in a unique position that I could step into it because um, things like revenue management and finance are centralised, which means there wasn't necessarily a panic that day one I step on site and I'm going to somehow like, <laughs> muddle everything up. Mm. Um, but then that kind of creates a unique challenge that, you know, as a general manager, I'm still responsible for ultimately the entire performance of the business, whether something's centralised or not. And learning how to communicate with 100 on-site team members versus communicating to centralised functions where I'm still needing to make sure I get the same the same support that I might have if I had a financial controller on site or similar. And I think that's probably where my, my background of um, working internationally and communicating over distance has helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've still managed to get that um, that face-to-face bit that I was kind of I was kind of missing on site. So yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a balancing act. But I think the you know from a general manager perspective, your ability to communicate is kind of one of the key skills, mm-hmm. and you're you're communicating internally to your team and you're kind of trying to, as I said earlier, get everyone all going in the same direction, but also you're responsible for communicating with, you know, asset managers or communicating on a brand level, communicating with, you know, suppliers or external partners, guests, you know, your, your ability to communicate is kind of key in, in how you, you manage all those sort of different relationships. Mm, mm. And just going back to, um, I think you just mentioned again, sort of having the team on a sort of collective journey with a collective target. How do you personally sort of keep the team motivated? Um, What's your approach to that? So I I always try and be quite collaborative in that I, I probably have a clear idea of where I want to get to with something. So whether it's, you know, what our broad performance should be this year or whether it's, um, how we, where we want to get to from a maybe a specific event as to how it should look at the end. But I, I try and be really collaborative in how we get there. So while I may have the destination in my mind, I don't necessarily have the how and the mm-hmm. the specific way we might do it. And I think that's where I think there's an opportunity to keep people engaged because it's not just a, a direct conversation about this is what we're doing, this is how we're doing it. It's this is where we all want to go. And then asking that question back, how are we going to do it? Because, you know, I've got 100 people in the building. That's an awful lot of creativity and ideas and mm. skill sets that I, I may not even know about if I don't ask them, if I don't talk to them. And I think that's where uh, the the exciting part of the industry comes is unlocking um, all of those, sort of, unlocking that creativity and using mm. the fact that we are one big team rather than me just trying to, dictate things from <laughs> from my office i suppose yeah 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 it's for for a gm it's crucial sort of to be to be there alongside your team isn't it and um yeah because because really the the role itself is about enabling your team to do their job like the, the mm. best the best question you can ever ask a member of your team is what can i do to to help you mm-hmm. you know what that's that's how i see my role is it's not it's not there to manage them, it's there to support them. Mm. And I think that's where hopefully having those more collaborative conversations and asking for ideas. And I think, you know, there, there's probably the 
the ways you do that is something that I'm still learning about what are the forums that I, I can give to people. So I try and have an open door policy if anyone wants to come and speak to me as long as I'm not on a call. Great, like, let's do it. Yeah. But how do I almost make make everyone feel extra comfortable that they're able to do that? And something I found kind of interesting stepping into into hotels is I feel like there's there's some traditional ways that people communicate with general managers that I find a little bit strange, I suppose, in that, you know, things like a once a month general manager lunch or something like that, as if it's it's some kind of exciting <laughs> honor to sit at a table with me and have lunch. <laughs> yeah. Like really I would I want to be able to spend time, as much time with everyone as possible. But I'm trying to look at how we use I think our internal communication platforms to hopefully allow people to give this feedback as well. So, you know, the we're in the, the process of, I mean, we'll probably come on to talking about our F&B, but we're in the process of just looking at a little bit of a brand evolution. So we put um, effectively just like short questionnaires out to all of our F&B staff, basically saying, what is this venue to you? What, do, what would you aspire for it to be? How do you talk about it to your friends to make sure that as we're having that sort of brand evolution conversation, we're actually listening to people who actually spend the most time in that space mm. because they're there you know 40 hours a week rather than customers are in maybe once every week or two or myself who has a very different perspective on on that space to them yeah yeah i guess well like you say it's sort of the importance of inclusivity and i guess that sort of stands up with what you said about going back to a place that has more of a sort of familial feel where people yeah, are yeah exactly um, i think that's one of those things that can probably sound a little bit cliche i suppose that we're all <laughs> that's that's kind of what you aspire to be you want yeah. to be you want to be a collective and you want to um i think grow with each other and something that i i've loved about stepping into this industry is i think seeing i, I, I can kind of think 20 years in the future and i can imagine different people from from my hotel working in other hotels around the city and, and still be able to work with these people in 20 years time. And I think that's something that I'm excited about because I'm mm. excited to see the journey that whether it's someone who's just part-time in, you know, as a KP right now, or someone, you know, one of my heads of department, seeing what, what their journey is going to be over that period of time is, is a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, what is sort of turnover like in general um, or how has it so, been? Yeah, so I think recruitment and staff retention has been a challenge. We, mm. you know, we particularly felt it because we, yeah, we opened in the midst of COVID. So you know, people were still wearing face masks when they're working. And I think hospitality in general has has struggled with that. And there's a lot of people that have probably been lost to this industry, um, which is a shame. And I think it's something that you know we we try and look at from a you know, whether it's it's crew parks, that's one thing, how it's, you know, how you engage with your team, obviously what um, what you pay, like remuneration is obviously a, a key part of it. But I think the one of the things that we can really do as an industry is, I think, sell the industry a little bit more. Mm. And I don't I don't quite know what that looks like, but there's a reason that I, I fell in love with it. There's a reason that, you know, if you were to go out and ask all the general managers in Glasgow or all the F&V managers or you know anyone that's decided to make a career of this there's a reason they fell in love with it and I don't know if we as an industry articulate that well enough so I say I fell in love with you know the people and the the product side of it but I also over time fell in love with the the business side of it and I think the mm -hmm. the element of 
uncertainty, but in a good way. The, yeah. I alluded to earlier, the idea that no two days, again, it sounds like a cliche, but no two days are the same because you can plan any one day out, but if the hotel's got 500 plus people in it, things are going to change. Mm, mm. You know, you're going to be challenged by something or there's going to be exciting opportunities because there's that element that you can never truly control. And I think that's something that to me is really exciting. And I think there's a whole, there's probably a whole host of people out there that would find that exciting, but then that's not necessarily something that we articulate about the industry. And there's also, there's, there's challenges within that as well though, because you know, we're a, 24 7 365 days a year industry and there's no there's no end points yeah which i think is a struggle for people sometimes that they they like to see a, a project to its end point and then pause and move on to the next thing there's, there's there is no such thing as that in in this industry but that excites me because you know however good we did yesterday we still need to get up today and do it all over again and be challenged by whole different things and i think that's where you know, hopefully there's an opportunity for us as a as an industry to try and articulate those things, but also just make sure we're looking at not taking our team for granted. And I think historically in the industry, that's probably been the case, that there's always been an intake of people, um, whether they're, they're students or young people, who just need a job, therefore they end up working in bars or restaurants or hotels. And we can't take that for granted anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when I was... When I was kind of learning in the bar industry early on there was a lot of people who people always talk about falling into the industry like you're usually you're doing something else and then you end up working in it and realizing you like it and all the time you end up staying long enough that you get promoted long enough Mm. um i think we need to work out how to get more people who say i joined the industry because i was excited about it and that's probably where there's a more of a a youth engagement piece there and it's something that we're we're doing more of it, and I would like to do a lot more of it, but trying to engage more with um, school-age people and articulate why why I think this is a great industry or, or what the story of mm. the different people that work in the hotel is. And I think from, a, from that perspective, again, the exciting thing about hotels is you can have 100 people, 200 people, 300, you know, whatever the scale, all with a common goal, but all with completely different backgrounds and skill sets and passions, but can kind of get themselves aligned to to want to all work in the same industry yeah yeah um and it's it's a tricky one we we hear a lot of people say that recruitment and retention you know is one of the big issues but like you say there's so much sort of um untapped potential out there for people who would love it and it yeah i guess the challenge it's it's a fantastic industry yeah it really is and that's something that you know, I never want to stop shouting about. I suppose because I'm here. You know, I'm here by choice. I'm here, I'm in this industry because I love it, and yeah, I just need to convince more people <laughs> of that. <laughs> Hopefully, that will be the the direction to come with the industry. Yes. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose just moving on to sort of the site itself. Can you tell us a little yep. bit about Yotel Glasgow and its offerings? Um, yeah, then- sure. So we're basically about as dead centre in the city of Glasgow as you can possibly get. If you look out any of our windows, you can see Central Train Station, which is, I think, one of the most iconic buildings, if not the most iconic building in Glasgow. And it's um, it's the main train route south, so anyone that's travelling by train into the city will be coming in there. Um, but also we're you know really good from a transport hub perspective. And one of the, one of the things that Yotel, I think, really 
excels at is is people that are looking for a bit of a, a kind of a non-stop experience it's about city breaks it's about arriving into the city and going out and doing things and I think that's that's to me what Glasgow is so I I've spent a lot of time in Edinburgh and a lot of time in Glasgow and I always the way I kind of compare them is Edinburgh's a city where there's things to see Glasgow's a thing a city where there's things to do so if you're coming to Glasgow, it's because you're going to do things. And I think that's where we're sort of perfectly placed. And, uh, you know, when I traveled a lot in previous roles, like the, the Yotel product is effectively exactly the sort of thing I wanted. I wanted a really well-designed room with a great bed, with a great shower. I, I wanted, um, you know, I, I wanted everything I needed, but none of the things I don't need. And mm. I think that's what we cater for. Um, and the other thing that probably makes us a little bit, unique with within the the hotel group is uh, we've got a top floor bar so we've got a bar on our seventh floor which covers the entire footprint of the building and it's got amazing views over the city but it's also got four lane bowling alley wow. so effectively you can you can look out over the city while bowling um, and it's something that I'm not going to lie. When I when I first applied for the job, I was writing in my cover letter how much I love bowling. I probably not <laughs> I probably not played as much as I I thought I might by this mm. point. Um, but it's it's a really great, I think, unique experience, and I think that's something that people are looking for now. Like people people want they want something a little bit unique. They want something exciting, but they also still need a great quality product at the center of it. Mm. Mm. And what's your demographic like in terms of uh, guests? Is it do you see mainly young people or mainly people for those um, city breaks, or is it? It's, it's pretty odd to be honest. I think we because of our location, we're we're kind of able to cater for for anyone. Um, whether mm. you're in work in in the city for business or whether you're a group, I think we we do get a lot of um, sort of city break weekend breaks um the bar itself tends to cater to a slightly um younger demographic but then if you go in there daytime it's to me it's a perfect location just to sit and look out over the city so it kind of it it's a bit of a trap in that you kind of think if you can be something for everyone you maybe don't get really good at anything particular but i I do genuinely believe that because of our location we can cater to anyone and because of the i guess the, the scale and scope of what we can do with the do with Vega our top floor bar the the possibilities are are massive and I think that's something we we're trying to unlock more of that excitement this year by putting on more events I mean we've already built up a pretty good following for um, disco brunch events so we do like a monthly event brunch with roller skaters and dancers and live music and that kind of that party atmosphere and I think we're trying to do more and more of that but at the same time we're we're very aware that um, we're a very untraditional hotel and we don't have meeting rooms, but actually the way we can potentially use Vega is it's a perfect, perfect space for, um, you know, creators or co-working or people that want meeting space, but they want something a little bit unique. They want to be able to sit and have their meeting. And then instead of taking a half hour brainstorming session, they go and bowl and chat. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that there's loads of opportunities there with, with what we can do with it. Mm, mm. So is that uh, is Vega open to the public as well? It as is, yes, and it's something that's. I think one of the the challenges with hotels in general is I always find there's a little bit of a stigma with hotel bars that people don't always either know if they're allowed to use it or feel like they've got permission to go and use it. You know, you if you're having to walk in past reception and 
you know, if you're getting asked if you're checking in or not, and all you want to do is go and get a drink or get some food, it can be a little bit intimidating. So I think something we've we've really tried to do is give Vega its own its own identity and it's kind of give people permission to come in. And I think most of most of our um, customers in Vega are actually f- from the the city itself and local. So it's probably something like 80, 90% of our customers are, are local. Um, and that's kind of because we, we operate as a destination venue. We put on lots of things that give people a reason to visit, but then we also have this amazing benefit of having 257 bedrooms downstairs that, gives us passing trade. So it's, it's kind of it's a really nice relationship between, I think, the hotel and the bar. So they can feel um, a little bit separate from a brand perspective, but actually they're they're very cohesive in how they work. Mm. And do you find that from a general manager's perspective in terms of sort of overseeing both of those, that it's quite a cohesive yeah. process? I think it's it's something you you need to put thought into so of the 100 staff we've got about 45 of them work in the F&B so it's it's a good chunk of of what we've got going on and I think the thing for me is I don't mind if a guest thinks that Vega is its own entity compared to the hotel but I need the team to feel like they're one and that's where you know even just little things like um I do like a monthly um, sort of crew get together where we just kind of give out awards and birthday cards and things like that. So not, nothing too like groundbreaking, but it's nice. Yeah. But what time of day to do that? Because my housekeeping team are in until, you know, four or five. Um, reception team are obviously 24 seven. You know, I could do it on a Friday evening because that's when the most of the F&B staff are in, but then they're busy. Like it's, it's kind yeah. of trying to make sure you're, I guess, aware of the scale, but aware of the fact that, you know, I could do two separate meetings like that. I could do one for Vega and one for the hotel team, but then they don't feel like one team and they don't feel aligned. And it that will, I don't think there's there's, no, there's never a perfect solution to things like that. But I think it's it's exciting having that problem. It's exciting having something that is is really unique and of a scale that means you have to to think a little bit harder about how you how you communicate. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, and I guess in terms of business, how has it been recently, sort of with the cost of living crisis and everything, um, has that affected you at all? And how um, do you see that going in the coming months? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a, a strange one for us because opening in the middle of COVID, we, we're we're not comparing ourselves to anything in that I'm, I'm aware of a lot of either hotels or businesses in general who talk about comparing now to 2018 or 2019, so pre-COVID, we don't have any trading history from pre-COVID. All we have is what recent history is. So I think the the impact I see more from cost of living is not necessarily in challenges that we have from a revenue or a occupancy or a, you know, a bar perspective. It's more what people's expectations are. And I think their expectations on what a great experience looks like and what value for money looks like. And that doesn't mean necessarily they only want a cheap room, but it means that they're valuing every pound they spend a little bit more than maybe they did before because they have a little bit less disposable income. Mm-hmm. Um, so just I think the expectations of guests is, is the bit that you you have to manage. And that's where you know something like Vega is fun because people – pay to come to a top floor bar with great views and really good cocktails but then there's also a bowling alley yeah you know, it's that kind of it's that slight elevated slightly 
slightly more value for your money or a little bit more than your expectation and just kind of constantly giving people a little bit more. And I think that from a room's perspective, getting that as well. So we have um, reclining beds that can be kind of put in an upright position so you can sit on them kind of like a couch or you can recline them back down to being totally flat or, you know, we've got nice kind of bright color-changing LEDs in our rooms. So like technology is something that your hotel tries to use to elevate the experience. And I think, again, that's where guests want a little bit more and expect for or hope for a little bit more. And I think that's where the challenge, but also the opportunity is um, with the way things are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, in, in your opinion, how do you see business in the coming year in terms of the wider industry and trends? Uh, do you think pe- more and more people will sort of be turning towards brands like Yotel for, for the reasons you've just said? Um, um, I mean, I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm obviously biased, but I think there's definitely, I mean, what I touched on there, the expectation of how people spend their money, but I think the, I kind of, I, I was thinking about city trips in general, because I think there's, there's a bit of a trend that city centre um, holidays or short breaks is, is kind of on the increase and mm. it kind of feels like people are post COVID looking for more interpersonal connection and they're looking to be around more things happening. And I think that's from a, certainly from a Glasgow perspective is, is exciting because I think Glasgow's got a lot going on this year and, you know, there's a lot more concerts. So Glasgow's, as I said, a great city to do things, um, which means concerts, it means sport. It means you know there's an uh, international comedy festival coming up that we're doing some collaborative work work on. Um, I think that's the the thing that I I'm most excited about with the industry this year is I think that people's appetite for slightly more unique experiences, but potentially more city based experiences. Mm. Uh, and how are you planning to? Um sort of capitalize on that and have you got any sort of interesting cool events coming up that you could tell us about in the coming um, so i think the one of the most thing, things i'm most excited about at the moment is we're coming up to effectively three-year anniversary of being open which is it feels like it's been a lot longer because of um i guess the challenges in in the world but we're going to go through a little bit of a refurb for vega um and i think that's that's exciting because we've learned a lot in the time that we've been open. And I think with any, whether it's a hotel or an F&B outlet, you have all these ideas about how something's going to work and then you introduce people and things work completely differently. So we're doing a little bit of a refurb just effectively to kind of capitalise on what we've learned over over the last few years. Um, but we're also, I think, one of the things that I'm keen for us to do, and this isn't really a, a revenue-generating thing, it's more of the kind of a social engagement thing is now that we're two, three years in, we're a little bit more settled. We're a little bit more comfortable day to day or a little bit further along that journey of getting to where the hotel can be that I think we want to be spending more time um, engaging with schools, for example, engaging with local charities. Um, And I think that's where on a personal level, I'm excited that we should have the opportunity to do that this year. But then from a, you know, an events perspective, we're, I think, building on the foundations we've got now where, you know, we've still got the disco brunches. They're going to keep going. They're going to hopefully keep being popular. We're doing a, a series of what we're calling brunch projects, which are slightly bigger production versions of that. So we've got a, 
um, a Mamma Mia themed brunch coming up in a couple of months. Um, but then also that piece on how we, I think to me, make Vega a seven in the morning to one in the morning venue. And a lot of that is how we engage with, um, I think, local offices or you know, local creatives, how we get meetings and how we get co-working and how we make it kind of a hub for activity in the city. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's that's kind of the exciting thing that I'm, I, I think this year is going to be a good one. I'm also excited about the fact that uh, last year was the first year that wasn't COVID impacted. So this year is the first year that I get proper like for like growth. Yeah. So I get to actually look at last year and say, are we doing better or not? And that's just, the, it, it's kind of, it's the weird thing about about the journey of opening during COVID and not having trading history. You've kind of got not much to compare yourself to. And I like having targets. I like having things. I like beating beating my previous performance. So I think that's one of the things I'm hopefully going to experience this year. Yeah, yeah. It'll be really interesting to have that perspective for the first time, I guess. Um, yes. Very exciting. <laughs> and yeah, I guess sort of we've touched on some of this, but sort of from your perspective, having been in the hotel side of the industry for the past couple of years. What, in your opinion, is sort of the best quality that a general manager can have and, and what is the best way to um, yeah, um, manage your team and manage your site and yeah, I think, drive success? Yeah, we've probably touched on the, the communication element, which is, is absolutely key in how you do anything. But I think you've also got to be inquisitive. You've got to be forward thinking and a bit creative and you know when you when you use a, a word like creative a lot of the time you think that means artistic or creative in that way but i think it's just challenging things challenging decision making challenging how how things have always been done um and that's that's i think something that yotel as a brand does well and i think it's something that um as any as a good general manager you need to do that because it we're, we work in a constantly evolving industry with constantly evolving guest habits and um, things that guests are looking for. So you need to want to keep learning and you need to want to keep pushing yourself, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it will be really, really exciting to see um, what the year will bring, Yotel Glasgow. Yeah. And I, I hope I mean, it goes I, great. I mean, ex- excitement is the, exciting is the word that I would use to describe yeah. this year most so far. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so just for the final segment uh, of the podcast, we have uh, our previous guest um, ask our next guest a question. And our previous guest, uh, who is Martin Terry, Director of Sales uh, at Stapleford Park, he was asking, what are the next stages for engaging guests through social media whilst they're staying at your property? So, okay. Um so this is one I think from a, a social media perspective, we've if I use Vega as probably the main focal point of this, we've we've built up a good following over the last few years from a the perspective of, you know, it's a beautiful venue, we've got loads of stuff we can showcase, we're always doing events, you know, we've always got stuff going on, so there's always content. But I think the bit that we've talked about recently is how do we get people to engage with with what we're doing while they're in the bar and one of the things being a top floor venue with great views or lots of photo opportunities internally we're we're going to look at potentially something like having photo opportunity points and getting guests to tag themselves in those in real time and feedback potentially winning prizes or um 
unlocking future stays and things like that while they're in the venue. And I think social media is something that is very easy to fall in the trap of being one way, mm. um, especially if you're a brand. Um, you're just trying to communicate who you are and what you do rather than actually communicating with guests all the time. And I think that's where I think as we evolve the venue of Vega, I think there's opportunity for us to to create two-way communication and I think properly not just engage on social media, but engage in person with our guests. Yeah, yeah. Um, that definitely sounds like the way forward. It's it's kind of almost a surprise. It's taken brands up to this point to sort of implement that, but it makes sense. Um, And yeah, I suppose just finally, what would be your question for our next guest? Hmm. Um, So I think as someone still, still, I still consider myself fresh to this industry. um, I'd probably be interested to hear what's something that you would change about the industry or the whole in, the industry as a whole um, that you that we all do that you think we shouldn't or what's an opportunity that none of us capitalize on that we should we should and I think I mean my answer to that is what I was saying earlier about how we sell hospitality but yeah I'd be intrigued to, to see the industry as a whole what would you change about it okay interesting interesting well we will we will ask our next guest that um (laughs) i will i will listen (laughs) yeah please do uh thank you so much for joining us neil um it's been great speaking with you um and yeah thank you again thank you thanks for listening to checking in a weekly podcast from hotel owner the uk's trusted source of hotel industry news and analysis If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen to. To get more industry insight, head to hotelowner.co.uk and subscribe for unlimited access. If you're interested in sponsoring episodes of the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at hotelowner.co.uk.